What we're going to do today is we're going to be introduced to Timothy and Epaphroditus. And we know Timothy. We, we've already been introduced to Timothy months ago. Um, and so Paul, what Paul's going to do here in the text is he's going to introduce these two people. And it kind of, look, kind of sounds like, you'll see here as we look at it, it kind of sounds like he's just talking about a travel plan. It almost sounds like he's just saying, okay, well, I'm gonna, I want to see you, but I can't. So I'm going to send Timothy when I can. I'm going to send Epaphroditus. Um, but there's really a lot more going on there. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the text. We're going to be in chapter 2, verse 19. We're going to read through 30. Uh, again, I don't have it on the screen for you. Sorry, you'll need to look at your Bible for that. But um, what Paul's doing here, and this is my opinion, um, I didn't have like all the study stuff that I normally have. I just had me and my Bible up there. But I, I feel like he's, he's introducing a few new characters to the story for us to be able to follow. He's giving us some examples because so far he said, be like Jesus and be like me. And those are big shoes to fill. I mean, trying to be like Jesus, I mean, it's the son of God, right? I mean, it's God in the flesh here, um, all powerful. That's a hard, hard person to follow. You know, he's perfect. And then he also said, be like me, which was Paul. I mean, Paul had special apostolic powers to do things, heal people. So it kind of some hard people to follow. So I feel like he introduces these two cats and says, hey, there's some regular people here. These are not guys that are special in any way. They're just normal. But they are serving the Lord with everything that they have. And he said, be like them as well. And so I feel like that's what he's really doing here. Um, and, and that just my opinion, but I feel like that's what happened. That's what's happening there. But it does kind of take on the, the, the kind of feel that it's just about travel plans. Well, let's look at it here. It says, uh, verse 19, and I'm, I'm reading out the New American Standard. It says, but I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. Remember, he, let's back up. Remember, he's writing to his friends in Philippi. He's about 10 years later. He's writing to believers. Now, if you remember our whole story so far, I mean, we've been, this is week six, I think. Um, Paul's been saying, hey, listen, some troubles are going to come your way. It's okay. I've seen trouble. God's worked through it. He's in prison. But listen, I'm able to preach the gospel. And like he's, it's all good. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. Um, and then he kind of breaks into this kind of separate little thing here. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. Now, they didn't have cell phones. Okay, so this was a letter or something that was taken by hand. Someone would run it there, run it to Philippi, and he's in Rome somewhere, and it, you know. And, and so this is this is a pretty big travel. This this is this wouldn't just be hey, just knock on the door next door and go find out how they're doing. They had to send someone. Just as I learned of your condition, verse twenty. For I have no one else. Speaking of Timothy, I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. So he's saying. I'm not surrounded by a bunch of people who have genuine concern for you. But Timothy does. Remember, Timothy was there. Timothy knew these people. He was intimately connected to Lydia, do you remember? And, and to the slave girl, to the jailer. I mean, these were his friends. And so, of course, Timothy is wondering, how are they doing? He hadn't been there in years. How are they doing? Verse uh, 22. But you know of his proven worth. That he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. He says, but you know, Timothy's, Timothy's legit. He's a servant of God. He was with us there from the beginning and will be there to the end. 24, uh, I'm sorry, we're serving under the father. 23, therefore I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. 
Remember, he's in prison. He's waiting. He's not sure he's going to die tomorrow or he gets to see a judge and get out. He's not sure what's going to happen. He's, he's like, I don't, I'm, I'm going to send him, but I'm not sure yet when I can. I need to figure out what's happening to me first. And I trust in the Lord that I myself will also be coming shortly. But I thought it necessary to send. So he's saying, I want to go visit you. I'm hoping I can go visit you. I'm going to send Timothy in my place because I don't know what's going to happen with me. And then he brings in another character, uh, verse 25. So he's talking about Timothy. Then he transitions to Epaphroditus. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need. Did you hear that? He was a messenger from Philippi. So the church at Philippi sent Epaphroditus to Paul to help him. And so far, he's just been hanging out with Paul. He's been serving alongside Paul. And so Paul is saying, I'm going to send him back to you. I'm sending Epaphroditus back to you. You send him to me. I'm sending him back to you. Verse uh, 25. But I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my needs, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, and not only him, but also on me, so that I would not have to sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. So Epaphroditus is literally the person who's carrying this letter to Philippi. He's saying, hey, I've got the letter. Paul wrote this letter. I'm bringing him. And he shows up and it's like a homecoming. It's a party. They have a great time. And he says, here's a letter from Paul. And the church reads it. And this is what we're reading, this letter that he writes to them. And so as you see this, this, this kind of almost like a pause in the story... He begins to talk about Timothy and Epaphroditus. And so, um, like I said before, it looks like it's just travel plans. But if you look at these characters, he, he draws out a few characteristics of each of these guys that I think we can follow. That I think he actually gives us as a more realistic example to follow. And so we're going to look at those um, here. Uh, we're going to start with... Timothy. We're going to look at his behaviors, his actions, and things like that. And, and like I said, I don't have the PowerPoints or whatever. But we met Timothy months ago, if you remember. We know this guy. Uh, we met him in the beginning of, well, I don't know, I don't, can't remember where we met him. We met him when Paul went to Lystra. Um, and remember, that was the whole circumcision weird thing. And he's, he's like, oh, it doesn't need to be, but he is anyway. And we're questioning all that weird stuff. Uh, we met him there. Paul took him. Under his wing, this is a young person. Teenagers hear me. Timothy was a young person um, impacting the gospel, impacting the kingdom of God as a young person, as a teenager, most likely. Paul takes him under his wing and takes him and molds him and makes him into a gospel minister and all these different things. And so um, we know quite a bit about Timothy. Uh, we don't really know very much about Epaphroditus at all. Um, but Paul gives us some, some kind of realistic things that we can, as believers today, follow. And he, he talks about Timothy in a, in a few ways. The first way 
Timothy, if you're taking notes, here's a note. Uh, these are all going to be S's, okay? Timothy was sympathetic. Uh, if you look at verse 20, look at what it says. It says, For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. Timothy was a sympathetic person. He was, he was concerned for them. He was concerned for his friends at Philippi. These are people that he, he knew and he loved. He had sympathy for them. He hadn't been there in years. Lots of things had changed. He had experienced lots of things. They had experienced lots of things. It wasn't like he could just FaceTime them. He was concerned about them and what was happening. And word was that there was persecution beginning to happen. And he's like, what's going to happen to them? And so he was concerned for them. A true believer in Christ will always have sympathy for people that are in trying times, or, or should at least have sympathy for people that are struggling or people that you haven't seen in a long time. You ought to be concerned for them. And as I was thinking about it, I was sitting in my trailer the other day, this storm was coming in. It was hard to ride up there, man, because I'm like sitting in my trailer and I'm like, I'll just sit and close myself up. And then the storm rolls in and it's raining everywhere. It's so distracting. Uh, but anyway, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about sympathy and empathy, right? What, do you guys know the difference between sympathy and empathy? They're kind of, people use them interchangeably, but they're not really interchangeable words. Sympathy is like, say John has a, whatever, a cut on his leg. I say, oh, I feel bad for you. I feel, feel bad that you've got a cut. Empathy is, man, I had a cut on my leg once too, right? And I know from experience that that hurts, right? So empathy is putting yourself in their shoes because you've been down that road before, okay? And so you, you're taking on those feelings again. You're, you're taking on that burden again because you've been there. Sympathy is a little bit different. Sympathy is you see someone in trouble or pain or whatever, and you're like, I feel bad for them, although I don't really know what that's ever been like. Okay, Maybe, um, maybe some of you have a real um, burden or, or you're sympathetic towards people that have a drug addiction and you've never had a drug addiction. So you, you can't really empathize with them but you can sympathize with them. And so this, this is one of those things that as a believer in Christ, I want you to remember that the pains and the burdens, the cuts on your shin and the, the, the bruises that you get in your life, God wants to use those for you to be empathetic with the people around you. Right? When we go through trying times and God gets us through the other side, and we're like, whew, don't have to deal with that anymore. Oh, I want to forget about that. I never want to think about that again. Most likely, along will come another person, right? That is going through that same thing. Whether it's going through a horrible divorce or going through losing a parent or a child. Something horrible, right, that you experience as well. And you're like, I never want to think about it again. I never want to deal with it again. God got me through it. Thank you, God. And then someone comes along and is struggling in the same way you were and this is this is listen you're called as a believer to use what you've learned the the feelings that that happened there they're, they're there and and it's our call to go alongside them and like Barnabas come alongside and encourage them and say and I know what it's like I've been there here's how God helped me through that and that let's not let those pains and those burdens that we experience Go to waste. 
And I think as, as you look at the story of Timothy and all the crazy stuff that he's been through and Paul's been through, they use that to help encourage the believers who are about to go through those types of things. So Timothy was sympathetic. He was also selfless. Look at 21. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. This is something that we addressed last week. Uh, of course, we're supposed to take care of our kids and our family and our things that are under our control. But we're also called to take care of those around us. And Timothy was one of those people. He was a selfless person. Uh, we said this, I don't know, a couple years ago that we want to pursue third place. I, I, read, a, I read a quote. Someone said um, that I read this a few weeks ago. Um, they use this acronym JOY to describe the life of a selfless believer. Joy is Jesus first, others second, and you third. In that order. That so we need to... Some of you already know that one. I'm just too young, I guess. But anyway, so young. Such a young, young buck. Never heard it before. Um, I hadn't. But anyway, Jesus first, right? So we're paying attention here. We're focused here. We're, we're devoted here. Other, uh, others second. Joy, right? So Jesus, others, and then ourselves. That's the type of person that Timothy was. He was sympathetic. He was selfless. And then third, he was seasoned. And I don't mean old, okay? And I don't mean salty, okay? He was seasoned. But you know, verse 22, but you know of his proven work. That he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father, I already kind of touched on this, that Timothy was actively involved in the ministry. And he had, I mean, at this point, Timothy has an awesome resume. Okay? But he didn't start out in ministry with an awesome resume. He only started out in ministry as some punk kid that, that Paul says, Okay, I see something in you. Come on, let's go. And over the years, he developed this seasoned ministry. Now, teenagers, I, I know that you just went to camp. I want you to think about this. You don't have to... Seasoned doesn't mean old. I want everyone to hear this. Seasoned doesn't mean old. And the, the reason I say that is because Timothy was not old. Timothy was young. If you look at Paul's letter to him in 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. I, I truly believe, teenagers, listen to me. I, I truly believe that a teenager that is fully sold out to Christ can make a way bigger impact than the rest of these people here. Because they're already set in their ways. They're old like me, right? Like... We have, we, you know, Barbara's like, I'm not old, right? But like we're, I truly believe that a, that a teenager sold out for the gospel, kingdom work, can make a huge impact in this world. You have the whole rest of your life ahead of you. So I was praying that before season. Timothy was seasoned. He was young, but he was experienced because he was in the trenches of ministry. And some of, some of you thought he wasn't scared really, but... Or maybe you were, but you, you, you hit it well. But Taylor and, and Kiki were up here afraid to speak in public. Man, that's part of seasoning. Getting used to those things. Getting, 
uh, getting comfortable with speaking to people about your faith and things like that. Season doesn't mean old. It means experience. And Timothy was experienced. Let's look at Epaphroditus. Um, we meet this cat today. And, I mean, I didn't have all my study resources, but I couldn't find anything else on this dude in the Bible, really, anywhere. I mean, I looked and I couldn't find it. Um, so we don't, I don't know a whole lot about it. We only know what Paul writes here. Of course, we knew tons about Timothy and do because he's all over the scriptures. Um, but Epa, I'm going to call him Epa, Epaphroditus, um, he, he's like Timothy. He's a great example of faith for us to follow and a more, maybe more realistic because he wasn't an apostle. He wasn't Jesus, the Son of God, walking around. This is a regular cat, right? Look at what Epaphroditus was a servant. I'm going to still use S's here. Epaphroditus was a servant, verse 25. But I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need. The church at Philippi had already previously sent Epaphroditus to Paul. So what that means is they sent, well, we know that they sent a bunch of money to Paul, a bunch of support, and so they sent it with Epaphroditus. So first of all, he had to have been a member of the church there. Uh, he had to have been trustworthy and had already earned that trust through ministry and things like that because he's, he's traveling with a large sum of money across you know, the Roman Empire here. He's, 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 he's moving across very dangerous travel with a bunch of money. So he was trustworthy. He was courageous. He had probably already been involved in ministry there. And they say, who's our best person that we can send to go help Paul? Oh, let's send Epaphroditus. They didn't send their worst. They send their best. Let's send Epaphroditus. We can trust him the most. We know that he's going to serve well. So he was a servant. We know this of him. He had committed his entire life. Think about it. I mean, he, he presumably had a job before this or regular nine to five or whatever banker's hours you know and he says i'm willing i'm willing to go and risk my life for the gospel because he was a servant of the lord he was a servant epaphroditus was also sensitive verse 26 because he was longing for you it says he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick even in this verse we see that although he was personally deathly ill he was more concerned i mean he's on his deathbed and he's more concerned about his friends his brothers and sisters his neighbors in philippi because they heard that he was sick so his concern i mean this dude was sensitive he was and not sensitive like in a wimpy way sensitive in a good christian mature christian way where you're thinking about and, and concerned about the people around you that you're thinking now, there's more going on than just my life here. He was sensitive to the feelings and needs of those people around him. As we grow in our faith, we've got to become more sensitive. And I don't mean that as like, uh, you're going to be a crybaby and all that. That's not what I'm talking about. But sensitive means you're aware of the feelings of the people around you. You see people that are in distress. You see people that are maybe not having such a great day. And it's more, it's more about them, right? Jesus first, others second, you third. It's more about them than just you. But you have to have a sensitive heart to be able to discern 
those things. So he was a servant, he was sensitive, and then last, he was sacrificial. Verse 30 says, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete, I'm sorry, to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Now, this is a pretty powerful statement from Paul here. And it's, it's likely that Epaphroditus was one of those people. Now, I don't, I don't know what they called him, but I know these people existed. Um, we can just call them, I don't know, whatever you want to call them. But they were, they were a group of men and women who would, after they became believers in Jesus, felt a calling, like Taylor was talking about, a calling to become a missionary. Um, they felt a calling to go and minister to people that no one else would minister to. To the people with leprosy um, that were contagious, to the people that had these diseases, to the people that were outcasts of society. There were groups of people that went and ministered to the lowest of the low. And the lowest of the low had diseases. The lowest of the low had like leprosy and things like that. And they prayed, God, protect me as I go into this dangerous situation. God, watch over me. Watch over my health. Watch over my family as I go into these dangerous situations. Missionaries do this every day, folks. In places where the gospel is not welcome, their life is on the line every single day. We have men and women that are doing this thing all around the world and even here in the States in, in really weird cases. Um, people putting their lives on the line for the gospel. He was sacrificial. And it's likely that he was one of those people and got sick, got deathly ill because he had contracted one of those diseases from those people. But what happened? God heals him. He says, not today, huh? not today, boy. You're not going to come home today. But he heals him. This is the perfect example of having a sacrificial attitude. He was willing to sacrifice his own health and well-being in order to see the gospel advance. Now, I know we're getting close. So I, I know as we look at these guys, um, we see like there there's lots going on here. And I've mentioned six S's and I know I don't have the PowerPoint up there for you, but they were sympathetic and sensitive. They were selfless and serving, sacrificial and seasoned servants of God. Now, I've never had that many S's in a sermon ever, okay? But that's just what it is today. Um, but it was because of their commitment to God that they were able to be used for kingdom purposes. It wasn't because um, they just came to church once a week and said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll set up some chairs, and that's it. These guys, they had given their life to the advancement of the gospel. And that's what we're called to do. It's, it's more, being a Christian is more than in 10 or 9.30 if you come to breakfast. It's a bigger commitment than 9.30 to 11, or maybe 11.10 if I keep going, right? Like it's a bigger commitment than that. It's a commitment to living your life in a way that you can see the gospel explode around you, using the gifts that God has given you, and using, hear me, using the things that have gone wrong in your life, right? Those pains, those bruises, those cuts that we talked about. Those things as well. Not just the great things that you're good at, but God can use those things that were horrible in your life. 
as well. For you to come alongside someone and say, I empathize with you. Here's how God got me through that as well. And I think a lot of times when we think about giving our lives to God, fully committed, we think about, yeah, I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to go do that, and I'm going to blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of times we need to kind of step back and say, God, how have you prepared me individually for ministry? How have you gifted me? What skills do I have? But also, what, what hurts have I experienced? How have you healed me in different ways? And I think a lot of times we forget. I was just thinking as I'm sitting there by the lake, I thought, I, for, I forget about those things sometimes. And I don't want to forget about those things. I want God to be able to use those things to help come alongside people and encourage them as well. And so as you think about this, these are three guys that are just normal. They weren't Jesus. They weren't the Apostle Paul who wrote pretty much the you know, whole New Testament. This is just Timmy and Epaphroditus, just chilling, hanging out, doing their thing that God had called them to do. And here they're used as examples for us to follow. Sacrificial servants who are serving the kingdom of God. That's how we ought to be as well.